Hello, and welcome back to Heartwork, the podcast all about love, relationships, dating, and the work of the heart. My name is Tom Lloyd. I am your host, and we are in week who even knows anymore of COVID-19 and the quarantine experience. And I just wanted to point out at the top of this show that, you know, a lot has changed. The landscape of everyday life has changed in a lot of ways, but I think that also goes for our heart. You know, we're all navigating new experiences of love and our heart and relationships. You know, if you're single like me, you're going through one experience and, you know, dynamics of who you're dating or your relationship to yourself is probably changing. If you're in a partnership and you're living with that person, another experience is happening something maybe intense with that or how you look at yourself is changing or maybe you're not even with your partner and that's its own experience but we're all uh re-navigating our relationship to ourselves to love and to the heart and i just wanted to say that point it out and you know maybe something is uh changing for you or surfacing about your relationship to love what you want, what you don't want, uh, what you need, and how you want to move forward. Maybe something in your relationship is happening. Maybe you're growing. Maybe something is dying. Maybe something is clarifying. Uh, But we're all going through it, and you're not alone in that. You are not alone in that. And, you know, this is one way to connect to that. And I, you know, urge you to connect to others, too. Um, We're in a strange space. We're going to new levels. And I think that is perfect uh, for where we are going today. I have a very special guest for you. And he is going to take us right out of our quarantine experience. Uh, He is an exceptional human being uh, and energy and light in my life and in the world. I have a great deal of respect for this individual. He is a giant ball of love and he brings that love 110% to every situation, every conversation, every handshake. Uh, he, to me, is exceptional, and I'm so excited to share him with you today. His name is Ricky Mondo, and he is gonna shoot us straight into the stars today, like, quite literally. He, uh, is gonna kind of help us traverse an area of love we haven't even really gotten into. It's almost like a cosmic love with Ricky because he he really brings a universe with him and inspires you to tap into your own universe, your own energy and your own beauty. He has a way of seeing that in people and bringing it out. And so I am so grateful to have him here. And if you haven't ever experienced Ricky, He's going to bring a lot. He's so rich. And I would just invite you to let him uh, hit you like waves on the beach. He's just going to keep coming back with all kinds of wonderful gems and information and insight. And so without further ado, let's just get to the heart of it. I'm so excited uh, to introduce you to my friend, Ricky Mondo. Here he is. Ricky, what's up? What's up, Tom? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Can't complain, really. All right. That's good to hear. I'm happy to have you on the show. 
This is great. I'm, I'm very happy to be on the show. Yes. Um, so where do we start? It's a good question, right? You tell me. <laughs> Basically, the first question is, you know, what is it that you, you're in Brooklyn though, right? Let me just say like that. You're in Brooklyn, right? That's correct. And how's everything going over there? You, you know, Brooklyn has been a survivor of many different things for many years. So, you know, it's just handling the situation as it always has, just, you know, pushing forward and trying to be tough and strong at the same time, uh, independent. Uh, you know, it's going. Cool. Are you from Brooklyn? Yeah, born and raised. You're born and raised in Brooklyn. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with that, maybe you could answer my first question, which is just how do you want to be framed? You know, you're a voice mostly. And uh, how do you want people, what, what do you want people to know about you to introduce yourself? You know, that's, you know, I thought about that and it's funny. Um, I don't really have uh, a thing that I want people to, you know, I don't walk around expecting people to put me into a frame. I expect people to respect me. And then secondly, people can get to know me and make up their own opinion on what they experience with me. Um, you know, you can't go into a store and automatically expect the workers there to expect that, you know, they're going to be like, oh, look, here comes another customer. Because that's, you know, you might not be a customer, you might walk up. And it's the same thing. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood that was Hispanic and Latino, but I don't identify as Hispanic or Latino. Um, I identify as human first um, because I strongly believe through my experiences that, you know, identifying as a race is only code for a culture. And so when you identify as a race, you identify with this culture. And then after that, you identify with gender, which is another code for how to behave within this culture. So if I was a Hispanic male, I would, you know, run around and be your bravado and, you know, be all tough guy. But say, for example, if I was like a, a French male, I might be a little bit different, you know? If I was a male from, um, I don't know, Australia, I also might be very different. Um, so they're all codes. And so I don't really have a framework that I want people to perceive me as already. Uh, because every time somebody meets me and every time I meet somebody, it's always at a different moment and different time. So we're never always the same person. So you reject the frame. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, you know, it's just, you know, no one's going to ever, ever view you the way you view yourself. Uh -huh. And there are people out there who become celebrities. There are people out there who are TikTok and YouTube famous. And um, they get followed by a lot of people. And at the same time, they also get hated by a lot of people. Not everybody's going to view you the same way. So, you know, there's also a certain amount of um, subjective viewing that people have built into themselves. You know, people usually tend to gravitate towards people who look like them, talk like them, act like them. Um, and this, this creates an instant bias. Uh, so if someone hears my voice, and they hear me say, well, I'm a male, I'm uh, you know, short because I'm five foot eight, I'm overweight because I'm you know, 200 plus pounds, I don't run fast, I like cheese, this isn't that, whatever it is. They have this, they come up with this perceived idea of what I, what I look like in their head based on past experiences. But when they meet me, the opportunity of meeting me and having the first time experience is kind of already tainted. 
because they've built this own idea. That's one of the main problems about frameworks, you know? You'll well, that's never... why I want to give you the opportunity. You know what I mean? <laughs> is that because you're a voice, you have an opportunity. So is there anything that you do want people to see you as? You know, I want people to see me the way I see them. And the way I see a lot of people is first uh, being, being an, a source of energy on this planet in a human body vessel. And, you know, everything has to do with energy. And it's been proven time and time again that we are able to, to transfer energy from person to person. We're able to do a lot of great stuff if, we can able, if we're able to focus enough to direct the energy. But our experiences are very much isolated to the human body experience. If you're a gazelle, then your energy is just isolated to the gazelle experience, if you're an elephant and so forth. And so when I look at other people, other human beings, um, and I acknowledge that they do have great amount of energy in them, I also acknowledge that they also have great amounts of potential. And that potential has to do with changing their lives, changing the lives of those around them, uh, changing their views, you know, changing how they view themselves in the world. And because of that, if the person is able to focus, you know, they're able to sit down and write a song, they're able to sit down and write a poem, they're able to uh, try to make a, a carving to express what they're feeling, what they're seeing, what they're going through. And so they're all opportunities. And so I would just want people to view me the same way. Amazing. Um, and that's why I want you on this show. <laughs> because I feel like you do have a, an incredible energy about you that uh, most people who know you, uh, it's immediate, you know, it's immediate. They know. People who know, know. And um, so next question is, is what would, you what would you label our connection as? You know, it, it's funny because just like you just said, when people know, they know. When, you, when you've gone through a lot of different experiences in life, something happens to your, your ability to vision stuff, to, to change your perception. And our connection is, you know, so here we are, we're two people, two human beings trapped in what would be called male bodies. And then there's all these other labels. But if you're in one part of the world and I'm in another part of the world and we both look up into the sky, we're both going to see most likely the same stars. And we're going to perceive them as stars. And whether or not we know the name of the constellation, uh, our eyes will be able to pick up on the darkness and the light. And we might be, you know, really immersed in the idea of where we came from, from space, where we came from in relations to time. And so our relationship, I think, very much is like that. Our relationship is, our connection is not based on physical structure, but the fact that we, we both come from a particular place in time, which, you know, time is just a construct. So, you know, I think our connection is way beyond all of that in the sense that we're two experiences of energy and, uh, and then we share our experiences of the physical with each other. And it's funny because those like us, we could sit back and laugh and be like, yeah, you know, I, I could have stayed home and enjoyed myself just as much as I went out to this party and saw this and saw that. But at the end of the day, we know it's just an experience. So we're two experiences having a really good time with each other. And I, I think, in my opinion, it's a beautiful thing because there's a lot of boundaries that are removed. 
a lot of stupid nonsense that's instantly gone. And so we just could be real with each other, you know? Yeah. Energy sees energy. And I would say, you know, this will kind of lead into some of the next questions, but you know, you and I are like, when I really look at it, it's like where we kind of really, our connection landed was when you, I mean, I was the manager of a coffee shop in Brooklyn and you were down the street as the manager of a bike shop. Right. And I feel like we were both, I feel like we both hold space and it's like, we were both holding a lot of space and energy in the same physical location and um i don't even know how to describe it except for that that was important and um the way that we were holding space in that area we helped i feel like we helped each other hold space and like in this almost cosmic way are connected but then also just give each other juice (laughs) it makes sense because if you are thinking about how uh, a computer system works with a chipset and and uh, and other various technologies they have what's called nodes which help to boost or amplify certain signals so they can travel further and here i am down the block trying to be a ball of positivity uh even though i'm having a lot of problems but i'm still encouraging people to love themselves i'm i'm, I'm helping people out um, i'm giving little gifts to random strangers to know uh, for them to know that there is there is still a chance for peace in their life. And then you're doing the same thing in the coffee shop. So basically, even though we weren't that far away from each other, because we were close enough, we were able to generate a large enough field of energy and positivity that really, I think, helped a lot of people. You know, it's it's one of those things that if we all can find each other in that sense, we could really just amplify and make a very large field and start really making some changes in the world. Yes. I mean, I feel like that's what this part of what this podcast is, is connecting people into the heart. You know, I don't know, as, as one way to look at it, there's many ways to link people into some of those vibrations. But okay, so I feel like we're already in this like philosophical area that's like already in the stars. But I'm wondering, do you have a first memory of me or a a time where you feel like we first connected beyond just like this general coffee shop thing, coffee shop, bike shop thing? It's funny because I really don't have first time memories of a lot of people. And the reason being is because when I look at a tree, I see a tree, I see a chair, I see a coffee table. I see a number of pencils. I see all the possibilities that already exist before that tree may ever be chopped down. And the thing is, is that before I was even born, there have always been trees. So there have always been coffee tables and chairs and other stuff, right? So when I think about you, Tom in my heart has always been Tom in my heart. I love it. (laughs) The idea of meeting this beautiful person for a first time does not exist because mm. the, the time itself has happened over and over and over again. And so if I think about some of the people when I was young, going through the problems I was going through, who influenced me to be strong, I could say that was Tom. Because mm. you know the way I view you is not about the, the body, the man, the, the framework, it's the energy. And yeah. so if I say, okay, the way I feel about it, my memory of the first time that I met you was when, you know, a few stars exploded billions of years ago. You know, we can go down that whole entire road, you know? So oh, wow. Like, yeah. Ooh, we could go down that road. And so it's like I've almost kind of known you for like forever. And then, 
you know, in that sense, then you share with me your physical experiences that you've dealt with, that you learned, and I share, and then we go, okay, so we've known each other for a long time, but this is what our bodies are going through here in this period of measured time. So that's funny. I would I would totally agree with you on that. It feels like I don't know I don't know that I have a first memory of you, but I feel like once you were in that coffee shop that I was managing, you were just in there. And from that moment on, every single interaction that we had was like, I don't know, almost cosmically aligned. Like we would not be surprised that, you know, you would show up and you would talk about that something and it would be like, oh, yep, of course, I'm having this like crazy experience over here. Or like I'd run into you on the street with the bike and it would be like, yep, blah, 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 blah. As a matter of fact, almost like, uh, yeah, our experiences is just unfolding in time. And even talking to you right now, it's not even, there's not a difference between how you were at the coffee shop at all there's there's no like there's no like this is like more focused ricky this is just how ricky is <laughs> you always just keep it you know you are who you are wherever you are yeah um so i love that i love that thanks for bringing us beyond time and space really quick um so okay into the present moment where is your heart today if you had to check in if you had like some type of you know special instrument to to check out the heart, what would the readout be for you today in this moment? Oh, you know, that's, it's funny because, you know, the, the heart itself, unfortunately for me, I'm not into the romanticized version of the heart. You know, I hear the heart and I know it as the organ that pumps blood and beats and stuff like that. And I think that there is the heart, but the heart of the soul or the energy or whatever like that. And I think a lot of people in the industry of making money was able to capitalize on that and say, okay, so we have a heart of the soul. Um, so let's try to figure out how do we sell it? And then, you know, you end up with Valentine's day and stuff like that. And uh, you know, these other songs about, you know, the heartbreaks or whatever, but in the heart of the soul, what's it, it's funny because my physical sense tells me that there's a lot of bad stuff in the world going on. You know, I'm still waiting for unemployment to come through. I haven't worked since March 17th. Um, you know, I owe my landlord some money. We did pay him some money for rent. Um, and there's all these things in the physical sense that's like, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, because this deals with the physical comfortability. But in my heart of the soul, I'm, I know that this is, all, this is all part of what happens in existence. And I also know that everything is going to be fine. And it's, it's, a, it's a real crazy, complicated way to, to look at it. Because in a way, in my heart of the soul, I'm assuring my physical sense that everything is going to be all right. Sicknesses have been around forever. Uh, financial collapses have been around forever. Natural disasters of earthquakes and tsunamis and all kinds of stuff have been around forever. Accidents that unfortunately take lives have been around forever. What has not been around forever is our ability to rise up above the physical experience of the body and come to terms with the fact that we are more connected to a larger awareness of, of space, time, and existence. And if we do that as a collective, as we were supposed to do over a thousand years ago to really get in touch with why it is, why it is that we are here, then everybody would be feeling a different sense 
of nervousness, not nervousness about not being able to pay bills, but nervousness about the neighbor down the block possibly having a mental breakdown. How do we figure out how to help them? Do we go down there? Do we, do we take them a cake? Do we sit down with them for half an hour? Our perspectives of what is important would be absolutely different. So, so in my where are you today? Yeah, with that, with all that, where are you today? Well, I'm at, I'm, today I'm at the point where I'm like, I know that everything's going to be okay. And I'm very relaxed okay. and calm about it, you know? And at the same time, the body's just like, oh, this is that. This is going on. This is happening. You should be nervous. And I have to say, and it's just like, you know what? I just, I, you know, after all of this, my heart wants to figure out how is it that this opportunity that we have here, not with this interview, only with the interview, but with everything going on, how can we use the opportunity that once this is over, we both know that a lot of people are going to start going out, they're going to want to conjugate, they're going to want to get together. How do we use that as an opportunity to say, now is the time to really start joining together as one? So in a sense, that's where my heart is at. That's where your heart is at. Do you have any way to do that? Because I feel like it's one thing to say it. I know that I get wrapped up in between what my mind wants, what my body wants, the physical needs, the physical, emotional, different worries, actions, thoughts that come up that that get me away from this heart that you're talking about, what you call the heart of the soul. And it sounds like when I listen to you, you're, you're tapping into being aware from that space, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because sometimes I think we can be aware from our body space or we can be aware from our emotions. But how do you personally link into that uh, heart of the soul place that's giving you this perspective? I think I've always been linked in, even as a child. And as a child, I was given the name um, the, the Golden Child based off the movie with Eddie Murphy, The Golden no Child. No way, really? Yeah. yeah. Ever since I was a kid, they called me the golden child. They called me, um, when I got a little bit older, when I wasn't so much a little child, they called me um, the little Buddha. Um, Ricky, this is incredible because I don't, think you ha- I don't think you even understand how much resonance I have with that movie. <laughs> I, I, I watched it like a, like a few weeks ago, actually. I oh, love really? that movie. Yeah, I love the golden child. Did you know that the golden child- I'm not child- surprised. I'm not surprised that they called you the golden child. So, so here's- Here's the thing, I'm going to share something with you that's really interesting, that really proves that there are major connections in the universe to what happens in our life. In The Golden Child, the person who plays The Golden Child was not a male or a boy, but was actually a, a, a little girl or a female. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. As me growing up, I actually have more feminine energy in myself then I grew up with the masculine energy. So when I found out that that character was played by a, a small female child, I thought that was really funny because I was able to relate myself really closely to that, to that individual. And so there's a lot of things that happened to us growing up that you know we don't know the full story of. We haven't unraveled the code. And then, I absolutely agree. Is I just want to wrap this back to the original question, which is mm-hmm. how do you tap into that heart of the soul? Well, I think that's the thing where, again, I was always tapped into it. The problem comes in to you, you go to an American school system or a Chinese school system or a Russian school system, whatever school system you go to, you learn the language and the alphabet and how to communicate within that school system, within that culture, within that country. Unfortunately, none of us 
have been to the country or the school of the spirit. It's very hard to take something that spans the space of time and the space of history within the stars and then try to construct it into a physical language of English or Spanish or Chinese and say, this is what we're supposed to be. So even though I could tap into it and feel it and understand it, and sometimes I'll have random strangers that they walk up to me, they start telling me their problems, and I start telling them stuff about their life that's happening. So it confirms to them that somebody is listening in the universe, and then I give them the answers. But I don't, the answers are never from me. The answers are from, you know, someplace else. And then I I run into the person three months later, six months later, and they tell me that it worked out, it helped them. That's easier to do than trying to take what I know, put it into words, and then share it with the world. Okay, so So I feel like, first of all, the answer to the question is you do it naturally. You tap into this heart of the soul in a natural way. But one thing that I've recognized about you is, okay, even when you're in the coffee shop, you radiate whatever energy is in you out what whatever is going on within you you can't help but give it out in a way and not in like a an oppressive way but that it just radiates out from you or i've seen you even at the at the bike shop people just come in and they want to hear from you or they like they're that people radiate towards you to hear an energy from you or to hear something from you or to just have a positive experience so i feel like you are translating it but it might not look like a normal message and i feel like i find the same thing in me in the coffee shop it's the same thing or people where i go people radiate towards me and i you know I just radiated out. But I'm wondering if you have anything to say about that in terms of this heart or what you're calling the heart of the soul. Is it something that I just witnessed in you? I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words because I can simply say everybody can do it. Uh The problem is, is that it has to be communicated in a language that everybody can understand on how to do it. The instruction manual from individual to individual will always be different. So yes, when I'm in the coffee shop or when I'm in the in the bicycle shop or when I'm in other places like on the train, um, there've been times where I wake up and you know I go about my day and then I remember uh, a stone and I have to buy the stone. So I go to Manhattan or whatever, I buy the stone. And then after I buy the stone, I'm instructed just to carry it with me. A week can go by, a month can go by. All of a sudden I see a person and I'm instructed to give the stone to the person as a gift. This has happened to me from you. <laughs> the, the person says, what is this for? I go, this is to help you with your problem. They go, oh, what does it do? And I go, well, the stone, these properties are in relation to the stone. They go, oh my God, it's crazy. This just happened to me. This just happened to me. This just happened to me. So on a one-to-one level, I can do that. But on a mass group level, I don't know how to do that. Or in my physical sense, I don't have the confidence to do that. You know, part of it in connecting to the heart of the soul is that you have to allow yourself to do it. You can't see what you're not willing to accept. You can't see what you're not willing to believe. Once you sit down and you tell yourself that you can do it, telling yourself eventually becomes accepting yourself that you can do it. And once accepting yourself is strong, then you start to see yourself doing it. And, that, and those right there are, the, are like the three main steps. 
you have to believe, you have to say, you have to say it, you have to believe it, and then you have to see it. But again, it sounds very, very simple. But in the process of doing all that, there's a lot of changes that you're going to go through. You're going to start learning that what you thought about the heart and what you thought about love is not exactly correct. You're going to learn what you thought about yourself is not exactly true. And you're going to learn what you thought about others is also not exactly true. I love this. <laughs> because this is, what, uh, this is what's really juicy to me uh, and kind of where I'm at. I'm trying to be at, which is that when you can unlock a new understanding of what you think love is, then you're really onto something um, like what you're talking about. And, and just in general, that I think, you know, I've brought up this book by Bell Hooks before, all about love, but she writes in that book, we don't really have a, an actual definition for love in the world. And that's prob- partly why it's problematic. Everybody knows all this stuff about love. They say all these things about love, but the reality is, is you know, sometimes we're, we're all kind of talking about it from different angles and we don't really know what we're talking about sometimes, you know? And so maybe I would ask you, what is, what it, maybe what are some of your experiences of what you think love has been? Maybe you can share some of your, what you thought it was at one point and maybe what you think it is now or some of your own evolution there. You're, you're very correct in the, uh, the statement that we don't exactly know what love is. Um, and so, you know, we might be talking about something that we don't truly know about. Most of the ideas and the concept of love have been created from the standpoint of view of the human experience. It's like, if you're a human being in the savannah, you're at plane level and you see a lion maybe 20 feet away from you, you will not find lions to be very beautiful, majestic creatures. But if you're a human being who goes to a zoo, who sees a lion behind bars, that you're safe, you might say, man, lions are beautiful and amazing and all this other stuff. The same thing is true with love. From a distance, love is this romantic-sized, beautiful thing that you should have because if you don't have it, your life is empty. And then you actually get into a relationship to find love, not knowing what love is. And unfortunately, this happens to a lot of people where you end up in a relationship. And relationships automatically come with compromises and sacrifices and acceptances, and that's on both parties. But sometimes that doesn't go that way. Sometimes one party doesn't want to do 50-50. Sometimes one person wants more than what they can give. In that sense, none of that has to do with love. In a way, that has to do with survival because the human brain has been adapted to being around other people to ensure that we are within a group and so that we have connections to other people. Studies done to, to people put into isolation shows that with no human connections, people go crazy. That, in a sense, is a very much biological conditioning that we have still as a species on this planet for survival. Now, when we look at Maslow's pyramid, starting from the bottom going up, you know, the bottom is filled with all the stuff that you need to survive. As you move up the pyramid, you get to self-actualization. And somewhere in between, you hit the ultimate understanding for you about what love is. And so, for example, I've been in love with some person that I thought was absolutely amazing. And, you know, they were in my friend's circle. They, you know, were beautiful. They were fantastic. They smelled great. Their voice was amazing. But we could never be in a relationship. That, in a sense, is not love because 
you might want to be with that person, but why? Well, the human brain tends to look for benefits in order to secure, secure its survival and its comfortability. You see somebody in a bar, you're like, wow, that person's hot. I bet the sex will be great. You're trying to find self-gratification on an instant notice without actually having to deal with long-term sacrifices. One night stand, very understandable. Oh, this person's really smart in school. I think I'm going to, you know, they're so smart. They're so pretty. I think I want to date them. Well, you know, dating a smart person in school can really help you pass your grades, you know? So there's these different variations of love, which are actually self-serving. The aspect of love that I'm at, that I really do care about, is the aspect of love that is not self-serving in a sense where you are walking down the street at a very hot day, maybe it's 90 degrees, 95 degrees, you decide that you're gonna walk into a store, buy yourself a water bottle, you know, you walk out, the water's nice and cold, you're like, I'll drink it in two minutes. You cross the street and you see a person out there, they're, they're breathing very heavy, they're sweating, they're saying, oh my God, it's too hot, I can't take it. In real love, you would give that person the water because you can see that they are suffering and it's easier in love to eliminate some of their suffering so that in a general sense of the cosmic balance, there can be one more person out there walking around in a much comfortable situation knowing that there is something out there looking out for them because they are loved and they mm. are loved. That is the form of love that I'm interested in. I have my wife. We were fighting a lot. And then this coronavirus situation came up. And now, how do we be a team again? And it happened instantly. Why? Because first, we were fighting because we're two very strong-minded people. And we tug and we pull. And, you know, we want to be independent, but we want to be with each other. When the coronavirus situation happened, we're in this together. And so what happens is we become team Mondo because that's what we are. But is there some kind of, you know, when I met her, I didn't, fancy, I didn't have these fantasies that she was this way or that way. And it was actually a cosmic kind of situation where like for months before I met her, I kept on walking by her house, not knowing that she lived there. And every time I walked by, I would look in the direction of the house. And this happened for a few months. And then, you know, one day I saw her and it was this instant knowing that that was this amazing ball of cosmic energy, you know, shaped into the form of a person that I would love. That was a cosmic love and a connection for, for long life terms of marriage, partnership, sexual partner, survival partner, end of the world partner. So that <laughs> which is where you're at right now, end exactly. of the world partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that we've always agreed that one, the way we will die is in an airplane crashing. So we're going to die together. That's the way, no matter, no matter how much fighting, no matter how much disagreeing we have or we've had, these are the rules. We're dying together in a plane. And if there's ever a zombie situation or whatever, we're going to be a great team together. And so, you know, this type of love that we have is a real genuine love of the physical sense. Can you know? I ask you something here? Cause I yeah. think this is really interesting. You bring up a lot of good stuff here. Um, kind of before talking about, I feel like what you were talking about before is really kind of like infatuation. You see somebody, you get infatuated. You, yeah. you, you, could, you could easily feel it as love, but really maybe it's something attracting you to some other thing that's maybe not like what we could 
quote unquote real love. Maybe it is for you at one point, right? I love you hearing you talk about this selflessness. Maybe we can get into that in a little bit. But I, there's something about this with your wife. I'm wondering, it seemed like it was a cosmic setup, right? And maybe it very much was. When you saw her at the first time, would you say you experienced true love? Or not true love, maybe love at first sight. Like, was that an experience that you had? That you, or was it more like something else? Because I feel like what you describe with your wife is really that you're energetically paired in like all the levels. So the night that I met her, I actually was um, supposed to be on a date with somebody else. Okay. But the communication of when the date was supposed to happen got mixed up. So the date was supposed to be the day afterwards I met my wife. So I called my friend up. I said to him, you know, we lived in Williamsburg at the time, and I pretty much knew all the bartenders and most of the bars. Um, and I said to him, you know, we're going to go out. We're going to hit the town. We're going to drink a bunch and stuff like that. And, you know, we went around and, you know, we, you know, we were bar hopping or whatever. But at one point in the distance, we see a, a group of people get out of a car. And this one individual is wearing a full body Tigger hunting outfit. Like just full coverall, got a hoodie on, you know, um, and is is walking down the street like a tough person, you know, uh-huh. um, shoulders all strong, and you know the you know dominating space in the sidewalk. And my first thought to myself was, I want to fight that person, you know. I was, Whoa. yeah, because I was in a, and now that's not a normal thing that I have, but something about what I saw was just really interesting. So. They turned the corner, me and my friend keeps on going to the bar. Later on, we go back to the original home bar that I always went to, it was a few blocks away from my house. And what I did not know that between my house and my home bar, this woman who will become my wife, she lived in the middle. So I go, we go to the bar and I'm sitting on the bar stool and it's almost as if someone kind of tapped me on the shoulder and kind of turned my body a little bit. Um, to look out the window. And so I look out the window and there I see her crossing the street with her friends and she's still being turf, uh, all tough. And, you know, they walk into the bar and she opens the door and uh, she comes in and I'm like, oh man, here it goes. She takes her hat off. And, you know, I still didn't know if it was a male or a female. Takes the is hat off. Is this the off. Tigger person? This is the Tigger person. Is your wife? Is my wife. Okay. <laughs> takes the hat off, takes the hoodie off, Let's down her, her dreadlocks. She has these dreads that are different colors. And I go, holy shit. The leader, the alpha, is a female. Instantly, I thought that was hot because I'm attracted to beautiful people who are also strong and independent. So, you know, that, that happened. And I was just like, okay, cool, no problem. So they sit down the corner. They're drinking. They're having a great time. And my friend, you know, he's a little bit heartbroken because he just broke up with somebody. So he says, oh, you know, I want to go and hang out with them, but I'm too scared to ask. And I said, man, you're such a wuss. I turn over and I say, hey, my friend wants to hang out with you guys. And, uh, you know, the, this person in the ticket suit stands up and says, well, get your ass over here. So, you know, my friend, <laughs> he like, you know, he like kind of, you know, gets up and it's kind of like walking slowly and, you know. And I told him, hurry your ass up. And I, you know, I buy everybody a round of beers and I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And uh, my friend, he's, he's just being weird about it. And the person in the tigger suit who becomes my wife, 
she slaps the table, she stands up and she says, you're doing it wrong to him, to my friend. Because wow. me and her both saw the same thing. We saw a weakness in him that we did not like. She's strong, I'm strong. We're both inviting him to the table. I'm buying everybody around the beers and he's acting like he's trying to hide from a, from a, a predator. You know, he's all, he's all slunched over. And, and I, I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? And so, you know, everybody, we all went back to the same apartment. And my friend stayed because she had a friend that also was, you know, looking for somebody. So my friend hooked up with her friend. But, you know, I went home, called her a week later, and we've been together ever since. And this was back in 2009. So, you know, it, it, it's, we've been together for a long time. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's crazy because I myself was not looking for a relationship. I myself was not looking for love. But here was this person that on a cosmic sense, I knew that they would be an amazing person. And I've had people older people in my family that have met her who also could see that she's a beautiful person. They also see that she's a strong person. Now, that form of love was different from the form of love I had prior four years ago with this person that I'm like, this person is foreign, this person is beautiful, this person has an amazing voice, this person this, 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 and that. But I couldn't see that there was nothing really that we could connect on because I was too busy with the infatuation, which happens to us a lot because we're told through media, through movies and all this other stuff that that's what love is. You, you know, you see somebody who's like, you know, on the beach and then all of a sudden they're like moving in slow motion and they're all beautiful and then that's it, you're done. It's like, that's not real love. Mm -hmm. So what was the difference with your wife? Like if you could really just point it out, what what was the difference? And and, in relations to what? Just like, of the feeling of your wife, I don't know, the, whatever it was, like what was the difference between all these other people and how your wife showed up? You know, the difference is, you know, how, like, say, for example, um, the difference is, for example, if you go into any grocery store and you see these little cakes, these little desserts, right? You don't, you, you, you have a feeling that they might taste good. You have a feeling that they might, fill you up and they might satisfy your sugar craving. But if you go to Magnolia's Bakery in Manhattan uh -huh. or any other bakery in Manhattan that is known for making the best cupcakes or the, or the pastries, there is no questioning that you are going to enjoy the experience. And when that sugary frosting hits your tongue, your brain's chemical sensories will completely be satisfied from the addiction of needing sugar. That was the difference. I saw her. And I knew that she was one of those amazing, fantastic individuals that I could be with that I might not meet again for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between loving a person that you can be with for a long, long time, like a long, long time, like forever. And there's a difference between loving a person that would be your friend. And for right. me personally, the difference comes in with a friend or a type of friend I might not be willing to share my own physical energy as far as in sexual activities is concerned. You know, I had a friend that I used to travel with a lot, do a lot of things with, and we never did anything in that sense, you know? And when I met my wife, it was this instant 
thing that I was willing to share my physical energy sexually with her. This made my other friend very, very jealous um, and wanted to spend more time with me, which, you know, I get it. Um, this also made other females and other people that I knew jealous because they knew me for many, many years. They had said things to me. They hit on me. They always, uh, we, we hung out. We did all this stuff. But I never got sexual with them because I was never willing to share my energy. There's a big difference in that, you know? There's knowing, and then there's like, eh, maybe. Okay. I love this. So you just know when it shows up. It's... Yeah. You, you feel it. it. I love that there's no doubt. You, if you're sensitive enough to the, the vibrations and the frequencies in the universe, and uh -huh. like I said earlier, I've always been tapped in, um, you just don't feel it in your heart. You don't, you, know, you don't feel it in like, oh, oh my God, I feel it in my heart. You feel it throughout your whole entire body. Mm. And another thing too is that you don't get the jittery butterflies in your stomach. You what know? do you get? You get a sense of assurance. You get a sense, you, you, you kind of feel grounded in the sense that you know that you have landed somewhere that's really, really comfortable, really safe, and really beautiful. Amazing. I love that. So, okay, you found, like, basically this partner that's energetically, slight, like, unmatchable. They're your partner on all these levels. They're your end-of-the-world partner, right? How do you keep that going? Like, not every relationship is a cakewalk. Like you've said to me before, like, it's, you know, everything is not flowers and bunnies all the time. Like, how do you keep things going? And even in this type of very special relationship, right, it's not always perfect. So how do you keep it going? So the idea of perfection in a relationship is based on our own personal need to be satisfied and our own personal need of survival. So in some relationships, uh, depending on the culture or the upbringing, the man might believe that it's his wife's job to cook and clean the house, while he believes it's his job to go and make money and also fix the house and fix stuff around the house and be a man man. In other cultures, it's very much reversed where you know, the, the woman or the female goes out and makes the money and is the breadwinner while the while the man is at home cleaning and cooking and stuff like that um you know the idea of what is perfect within a relationship is is, is based on self-gratification and you have to be careful with trying to gratify the self in a relationship because you're not dealing with an object you're not dealing with a computer you're not dealing with something that you went to a store and you purchased and you say okay now sit there and do stuff you're dealing with another individual. You're dealing with another source of energy who's trapped in another form of the human body. And whether you are straight, gay, dinosaur, giraffe, whatever it is, there's going to be emotions involved. And it's very, it's, you know, it's very hard to focus on those emotions when you don't even understand your own emotions that you're dealing with. And so this is why it's really important to try to grow each other when you can but when you are having some strife, there has to be a sense of independence and separation. Uh, when I got together with her, another friend of mine had gotten together with somebody else, uh, I think maybe two weeks or three weeks before me and my woman got together, me and my wife got together, whatever. And within the first month, me, me and my wife, you know, at the time, my girlfriend, whatever, within the first month, we had already had like two or three big disagreements, big fights, right? But we were still 
working on it. We were still developing it. We were still growing it. You know, you're never going to be able to build a really tall building unless you dig really, really deep into the earth and remove a lot of soil, a lot of rock, a lot of stuff. And the thing is, is that when you're growing up and you haven't been in such a relationship, there's a lot of soil and rocks and all this other stuff and maybe even some roots from some trees. So you're going to have to dig all of that up because you have to build a foundation for the new person that you are with. So me and my, me and my girlfriend, we already had, you know, some disagreements and fights. And my other, my, my friend, he was laughing. He was like, yeah, me and my girlfriend, we haven't had a single fight. We're perfect. Three months went by, me and my girlfriend, again, we still had a few fights. But we, in those fights that we had, we had covered some of the foreground that had to do with saying, hey, I'm an independent person. Do not mess with me. Do not try to take my freedom. Do not try to step on my toes. I will love you, but I'm going to love myself first. Wow. Yeah, so we had established a lot of that, and we had established a lot of acceptance into that. So, you know, while I would go out bike riding and, and race to the city really, really fast and stuff like that, she would be doing trapeze or roller derby or whatever it is, stuff that could, you know, you, you know, so we were over doing things that could be really dangerous, but, you know, I didn't tell her to stop doing what she was doing, and she didn't tell me to stop doing what I was doing, but we were concerned for each other. On the other hand, my friend and his girlfriend, you know, no arguments, don't, no disagreements, nothing, you know, six months go by the same story oh yeah, we haven't had a single fight, yada, 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 yada. On the eighth month of my friend's relationship, everything went straight to hell. Hmm. Everything that had been covered up, all the lies, all the bullshit, all the pretending of, well, you know, I'm going to act like a female. I'm going to talk like this with a high-pitched voice and be all cute and wear makeup. And, you know, his, I'm a man, I got to beat my chest and be strong. All of the bullshit of that fell apart because she decided that, like any natural human, it doesn't make sense that in order for her to be an actual female, she has to wear makeup and play a role in society. And he accepted and realized that, you know what? He's a big fool that has emotions and he cries and he has to accept that. So they had a really big, you know, breaking up and it was really, really bad. And I warned them. I said, if you are not establishing foundations and boundaries in the beginning of the relationship to First of all, you know, know what you're dealing with, knowing how you're dealing with it, and also knowing, knowing more about yourself and how you're going to be in the relationship, you're going to run into problems. And so that was the first thing that we did. You know, we, we, we got a lot of stuff out the way. And as time goes by, you know, there are more arguments. There are more uh, discrepancies. There are more disagreements. The one thing I will say is that you don't want to live too long on the same argument because you end up with a feedback loop where the argument is always the same type of argument about the same subject and you guys don't get to learn from it you don't get to move forward from it you don't because if you don't get to the next plateau which is a different type of argument about something different you're not going to grow you're not going to expand and when you stay in that same mindset of that argument you know oh you know I, I, could, I, I could have done this, I could have done this, you know, I had this, I had that, this, this, and that. It, it, it kind of starts to chip away at the foundation that was built up in the beginning of the relationship. Because when you're having the building being made, you can decide where you want the rooms to be, where you want the closets to be. But the point about it is that you could almost set up 
the studs that support the walls anywhere you want. And so if you're arguing over and over and over again about this one stud for a wall, and mm -hmm. it's not a real support beam that actually keeps the foundation erect, you're gonna run into problems. You're gonna run into a lot of problems. And so it's like, say for example, do I wanna have kids? Do you wanna have kids? That discussion is a support beam. That discussion, mm. whether or not you guys want to have kids or not in the future, is going to help elevate the building one flight higher. We right. decided we don't want to have kids because the world's really crazy, and so we both agree on that. Um, so I, but, I want to pitch in here if I can and ask you another question, which is, okay, I love that you're talking about this very solid foundation and this work that you have to do, especially at the beginning, but probably continually, right? Maybe it doesn't yes. become a foundation later. It becomes store building different levels. Exactly. Exactly. Because you got the foundation. But I'm wondering that work, something I'm running into is now, is that the responsibility for you to do the work on your own? Or is it the responsibility of the relationship together to do the work? And how do you know? Well, the what the do you think about that? The answer to that question is both. It's up to you independently to do it on your own. And uh -huh. it's up to both of you in the relationship to do it. It's, it's like you got three circles. Um, not sorry, not three circles. You got two circles. And before the relationship, you were two independent circles with your own little world and your own little bubble view. But as the circles start to come together, you can actually end up with a middle room, which is usually shaped like an eye. And what happens is on one side of the continuous circle, there's you. On the other side of the other continuous circle, there's your partner. But in that middle section that's shaped like an eye, that middle room where you two come together, you run into this problem, this situation, you're butting heads, you, you air out your grievances, you say what the problem is. Then in your independent section, you have to figure out, okay, you know, you're going to be mad. You're going to be like, this person, this, that person, that, blah, 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 blah. But then you have to say, ask yourself, well, why do I feel so strong? Why am I against this? Then you have to work on yourself. Then you have to come back into that middle ground and, and go at it again. You have to keep on trying to solve the issue because some arguments are going to be like the studs. They're very, very simple arguments. And it's, it's, it's game over. It's like, for example, I might eat a bunch of bread with peanut butter and jelly because I like peanut butter and jelly. She might, get, I might, she might get the ice cream and eat all the nuts and raisins out of it and all the other stuff. She doesn't do that, but she might. Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with the fact that when I go and I eat ice cream, there's no chunky raisins and chocolate and whatever because it got eaten. But right. I eat all the peanut butter and jelly. So you have to realize in a relationship there are these compromises where you do something more and they do something more. And one way you're benefiting in this direction and they're benefiting in this direction, you can't just say, I want to benefit in every part 100% of the time. So it's up to both people to work on it independently on your own and then come into the circle and then work on it there. And so in my own independent works, you know, I come to accept and understand I'm very hard headed mm -hmm. because I've had to be an independent person and take care of other people for a long time. And then I'm in a relationship that somebody now wants to help me and take care of me. And I can't deal with that because I don't know what, I don't know what being taken care of and helped is like. This is something that keeps coming up as well. Exactly. I know what it's like to help other people. I can know you receive the love? Exactly. Can you receive the love? Well, 
part of the problem about receiving the love is that many of us don't think we deserve it. Ooh. I mean, it comes straight down to that. You may, you, you may be in a relationship, you may find yourself that you, you care for this other person, and studies have shown both in the physical sense as far as in the body's chemical structure, and then the mental sense, some people get into relationships because they have to take care of somebody else. And this happens with a lot of constructs within the man's mental mindset. I'm a man, I have to grow up to be a provider, I have to do this, I have to have kids, I have to have my kids go, daddy, you're the best, all this other stuff. <laughs> and people get into relationships because they want to be loved, right? Mm -hmm. The person who gets into a relationship because they want to be loved and the person who gets into a relationship because they feel like they have to love somebody else, both people could equally suffer from the same mindset, I don't deserve love. Right. So that goes back to what I was saying earlier within the sense of the self-actualization and the actual form of self-love. You have to actualize yourself, which actually, you know, when you, when you actualize something, it's like you create a concept for a comic book. When you actualize it, you actually complete it. You've drawn pictures, you've, wrote, you've written script, you, you've done all this stuff, you get it publicized, you actualize that comic book, and, and there it is as a product. You exist in the world with a construct that's been pushed upon you since you were a child. There's a lot of stuff that is actually not a part of your natural coding. You have to self-actualize your own coding to know who you are, what you are, and why you are. Then you can start seeing why you should love yourself. And that's really important so that when you do get into a relationship, you can believe that you do deserve love. For me personally, if I had learned this lesson many, many, many years ago, I wouldn't have ran into some of the problems in my relationship. And not only with my wife, but with other people in the family and other people and coworkers, because I've had a lot of people who throughout my life are like, hey, let me help you. But I grew up with the idea of help being a sign of weakness, but at the same time, I had to help everybody else. Right. So it's this, you know, it's this, it's this push-pull situation where the people who forced me to help them told me that I didn't deserve help because I'm going to be weak. Right. So... so there's one thing that I wanted to just chime in on, on your house and the foundation. One thing I was seeing to like take that metaphor further is like, you got to build the foundation with your partner and maybe yourself. And maybe some of these support beams are really created with your partner. Like the, the bigger structure is created where both of you intermingle, but you, uh, you got to leave room. You got to, you got to create rooms in the house for just you. There's rooms in the house for just you, just her, or your partner, and there's rooms where you both exist together. Yes. That's important. But then, yes. so I just wanted to say that that was coming up as a vision that I saw when you were talking about that. But maybe you could close it out on talking about, you know, how, how do you accept love? Because I think this is a thing that a lot of, you know, big hearted people tune into, especially is that they're really good at giving love. But when it comes to the, the, rece the receiving, like they, it might be seen as weak or they feel like they have to be the provider of love. So how is it that you accept love? The ability to, sell, to accept love is never going to be easy for people who grew up in a hard situation 
where they were told they don't deserve love. If you look at certain aspects of our society, you'll see that there are certain people who grew up in very well-off families. Some of them might have trust funds. Some of them might grow up, you know, they're 16 years old, they get their first car and all this other stuff. And they, go, they say to themselves, I grew up really loved, you know? Material objects don't give you love. And material objects are not love. They're manifestations of an idea that someone had that they created. The time put in to earn the money and then the time put in to pick out something to give you, that can be considered an aspect of love. Um, but the actual love that we are dealing with here, where you have to be able to accept love, is that it's going to be hard. It's never going to be easy. I myself still have a hard time with it. But nobody argues accepting the rain. Sure, the rain comes down. You have to accept it. Maybe you stay inside. Maybe you go out with an umbrella. But you accept the rain. The rain. Nobody argues that if you go to a beach, you're going to get a suntan. You accept the sun. Um, nobody argues that if you don't go to work, something, you're not going to make money. You're not going to be able to pay bills. So there, there, there are these things in our life that don't actually help strengthen the independent self in the soul or in the energy. But something like love, on the other hand, which has been construed as this other thing, you know, this red heart-shaped thing filled with chocolate, has created this disassociation between what actual love is to the self and then what love is in the physical material sense. The best way that I could describe on how you accept love is that you start to view it just as rain. You view it just as the sun. You view it just as the birds singing. Love is out there to be had. Love is flying through the air. Love is coming out of us. If a flower does not accept water, it can't grow. If it can't grow, it can't be beautiful. And if it can't be beautiful, it cannot give somebody this amazing experience of seeing this beautiful act of nature in the form of a rose or a daisy or a sunflower or whatever plant it is. If you do not accept the water of love into your life, you cannot grow up to be a beautiful lover. You cannot grow up to be that beautiful basket of petals that other people would look at and say, wow, this form of love goes beyond anything I've ever seen. And people will tend to spot it. People are very good at noticing when you love other people, but when you don't love yourself. For example, you might have seen earlier that um, I was drinking a Monster Energy drink. I've been addicted to Monster Energy drink for a long time because of the caffeine intake. But I actually stopped drinking Monster Energy drinks because it's not good for you. I'm going to say that straight up. Caffeine on its own, it messes with your neurological systems that doesn't really allow you to kind of sometimes connect to the spiritual world. And it depends on your body. That's not true for everybody. But for me, what the caffeine does is that it slows me down a little bit in the spiritual sense so that I don't receive too much frequency so I'm not overloaded. So as of recently, with all the situations that have happened, I have had a few Monster Energy drinks. Now, knowing what I know about it, that could be said that I might not be expressing self-love by drinking something that is actually self-damaging. And so there's the self, there's the love that we have to give to ourselves, but we're not going to know how to do that unless we actually accept love from other people. When right. other people say, you're beautiful, you're smart, you can do this. We can't really afford to say, no, 
That's not true. The reason being is because we have other people out there in the world that could do that job for us. There are plenty of other people ready to just put us down and put our faces in the mud. So why do we continue to do it to ourselves? Exactly. So accept it like the rain. I love that. To, to maybe like extend that metaphor, it's like if you look at it as the rain or the sun or, uh, or whatever it is, if you can look at it when it's coming at you, how is it that you can maybe just literally any of life ex- life's experiences, if you can tap into this idea that love is always coming at you, then how is it that you adjust to the experience to make it one that is comfortable for you? Some people love getting drenched out in the rain. Some people love some rain boots. Some people have a nice yellow rain jacket. So I don't mess with umbrellas personally, and I'm fine. You know, like, so how is it that you, uh, you know, if you're at the beach, put on sunscreen or don't put on sunscreen or you put on a big hat? Like, how, what is going to, how can you adjust yourself to situations so that you can accept them? Is kind of what I'm getting from you is that this is one way that you can accept love. So adjusting yourself to accept love is something that should be taught from school. And it should be something that's number one on the list of your life goals or your bucket list. And the reason being is because if you're starting a new job, you have, you know, you you went to the interview, they told you what the job is. You say, yes, I can learn how to do this. I can learn that. You start reading the manuals. You start reading all the company's policy. You, You read everything and you get yourself up to date. When you're doing that, You are literally reprogramming your brain and changing your brain's chemical structure as well as your neurons of what it is that you are now doing in the form of survival. The stuff that you were doing at your your old job, like if, if I switched from mechanics to customer service, working for Verizon or something like that, I would have to adjust myself from being out in a business in a storefront to being at home working from my computer. You change the way your brain works. Um, Unfortunately, we don't believe that the same thing applies to love because love doesn't give us a monetary value. From love, we don't get a paycheck every week that gets deposited into the bank and then you can use it to pay your bills because people don't understand the value of love. So if you want to adjust yourself, to receive love and understand it, then you have to start reading the material that involves the company's policy. And you can even call it love. What's the company's policy? The company's policy is that you have to be willing to adjust and sacrifice and give, but you also have to be willing to accept, receive, and and work with other, with with your partners, with your teammates, with, with your coworkers. Um, be in love, you know? Right. I love it, Ricky. I feel like that's all I need for today. Unless there's something else that you, there's something else that you want to share or you want to ask me. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I will, I will share this and this is not for you directly, but this is for maybe some of the people listening out there, um, that might find encouragement from this. Um, I grew up in what was called Southside or Lasutis um and in the 80s and it was a very hard time 
my mother was crazy in a sense where, you know, she believed we were always going to be kidnapped. She kept us home for like up to two or three months at a time. And, you know, the school never came to check on us. You know, now a kid goes to school, gets a bruise. The kid gets a bruise and instantly the school calls, you know, the police and this kid got abused, whatever. I mean, growing up, we got abused and I've been abused in all forms, physically, sexually, verbally. Um, I've been put down. I've been stepped on. I've been, you know, uh, used as a chair. My mom used to make us sit in the corner, uh, not in the corner, we used to kneel on rice and cat litter as the punishment for three or four hours after school, um, just because she was having a bad day. Went through a lot of stuff, um, you know, had a female babysitter that, you know, made me have sex with her and I was like probably seven years old, eight years old. Um, had to deal with a lot of people in the street that were gang people, you know, I grew up, you know, carrying a knife and all those other stuff, right? I went through all of that. I went through hell and high water, um, knowing starvation, lack of money, whatever, right? I learned many, many years later, I came to realize through understanding a certain sense of psychology and allowing myself to be separated from the physical form and enter into the spiritual form, I found out that all those people who had done all these terrible things to me in these timeless spaces, these people didn't do these things to me as the sense of me being an energy being. They didn't know me. All they saw was this, this, this defenseless child that was easy to take advantage of. They went after something that could be a victim. They didn't go after me. They, if they knew who I was, they would have either loved me and embraced me for being something completely different, or they would have killed me out of fear because my mindset was so radical. So the people do this because they themselves are damaged. And I want everybody out there to understand, and I know it's not going to be easy, and I know it's not going to happen overnight, but the stuff that the people did out there to you is part because they themselves are damaged. Some of them are still damaged to this day, and that won't change. And you can't change them because they haven't made a decision to change themselves. And the second reason why this happened is because in their own weakness, they found an opportunity to take advantage of something else that seemed weaker that would make them feel stronger. The person taking advantage of the, of the other person, it gives them a certain sense of power. But in the, phys- in, the, in, in the sense of the energy, in the sense of the spirit, they did nothing to you. You as being a cosmic representative of the space-time continuum and a part of the collective that joins all of us together without even needing a 5G network or 4G network Somehow you think about how the great of this product was invented. And next thing you know, on the other side of the world, six months later, that product has been invented because somebody was already working on it. Did you communicate with them in the world that you need this thing to be made so that you can have it? Or did they say, I want people to know this is coming and did they communicate with you? Either way, in the cosmic sense of being what you are, we are more connected to the universe and we are more connected to each other through this connection of the collective versus the collection of the body and the physical. I, it's not going to be easy, but I want people to know that you can actually come to understand the separation 
of your own true beautiful life form or whatever it is you want to identify as in your power your body was put through a lot of stuff your brain was made to suffer but you're still a child of the stars and you will always return to the stars and as long as you know that you have a right to have love and that you have a right to give love and you have a right to be connected you can't be hurt unless you allow yourself to fully be connected into your body into your physical form so there's a way out of suffering there's a way out of pain and there's also a way out of remembering the bad times because if you start to remember your place in the universe as a space traveler on a rock that's called earth and you acknowledge these planets these stars these lights these galaxies these activities then you can also acknowledge the strength and the force that you have in yourself to auto, to also manifest brand new worlds of possibility that's it that's the whole truth <laughs> that is uh, a deeper sense of love i would say um thank you for sharing that with you no problem yeah thank you for inviting me man i love you you're welcome and i just to add on to that i would say within myself and others that i have met that the hardest stuff that we go through is really even though it might look bad it's leading us it helps us unlock some of it exactly what you're talking about um which not everybody can understand some people can some people will um if you're ready to go there you're ready to go there if you want to be in another state i give you freedom to do that too <laughs> so um absolutely Thank you so much Ricky for doing this. It's so great. Uh you're so great. You know, just like blew us out into the stars. I love it. My pleasure. I love talking to you. I love talking to you. All right, my man. You all enjoy right, man. You too. Have a good rest of your Friday, all right? Stay blessed and stay moved. All right, I will. You do the same. All right, man. All right. Bye Ricky. Bye. Blessed indeed. Uh, so wonderful to have Ricky on the show with us today. And if you can believe it, he really is like this uh, all day, every day. I am used to a daily dose of Ricky like this. Uh, and that has been a blessing. I hope you got something useful for you and some good takeaways. I know I have plenty and I like to condense them for myself. So here are my takeaways from Ricky. Number one, the quote from the interview when he said, hey, I'm an independent person. Don't take my freedom. Don't step on my toes. I will love you, but I am going to love myself first. My goodness, I love this quote. I could hear it all day. It's like a great mantra for a relationship. Number two, some relationships go beyond time and space. They just do. They're almost cosmic. And when you know it, you know it. You don't have to explain it. Uh, maybe you know that too. Maybe you don't. It's an area of relationships, I think, that we haven't even fully tapped into. But I'm glad Ricky brought it up and brought it with him today. Number three, you're not looking for a person. You're looking for an energy. At the end of the day, it all boils down to energy. So what is the energy that you're putting out there? And what is the energy that you want to receive? And what is the energy you want in a lover? Energy sees energy and energy attracts energy. 
raise your vibration and raise the depth of your love life. Number four, no one is ever going to view you the way you view yourself. This is a part of you tapping into your own energy. Number five, the key to tapping into what Ricky calls the heart of the soul has three steps. Number one, believe. Number two, say. And number three, see. Start believing something, then you'll start saying it, and then you'll start seeing it in the world, and then it becomes real, and then it all starts over again. Number six, people can sense weakness in you a lot more than you may suspect, and they can also sense confidence in you. Where are you on the spectrum between weakness and self-esteem and confidence. If you want to be more confident, maybe you want to put some focus on that. Number seven, when someone truly significant shows up in the relationship sphere, you'll not only feel it in your heart, you'll feel it in your whole body and maybe even more. It's a great thing to look out for. Number eight, when it comes to energy and energy, especially in romantic partners, be aware of what you're indulging in. Are you grabbing the little cakes at the corner store right in front of you? Or are you taking yourself to eat cake at one of the finest bakeries in the world? There is undoubtedly a difference between these two types of energy in love. Number nine, He didn't really go too deep into this, but I'm interested in it more, which is that having sex with someone can be a way of giving away your energy. I want to go more into this in the future. If you know things, holler at me. Number 10, in any relationship, it's really important to build a foundation. It's not always going to be easy. Digging a foundation takes some heavy lifting and unearthing some hard work, but it is worth it and maybe even necessary for the long haul with an end-of-the-world partner. Number 11, fighting is okay. It's actually a way to come to a better understanding between each other. However, when you're fighting, it's so important to know the difference between fighting over a support beam in the house of your relationship or just a stud that's helping frame a wall in a room. If you are arguing and coming to terms of understanding over a support beam, it's going to be a lot more useful. And lastly, number 12, when fighting, try not to spend too long on the same type of argument. Try to learn from it and move on as quickly as possible. You can't learn and grow if you keep disagreeing about the same thing, and it might actually end up being detrimental. Also, know that if you've transcended one type of argument and you're running into a new type of argument, then that might be a sign that you're evolving in your relationship. That's all I've got for you today. If you liked what you heard today, please go ahead and share it with somebody. It's the best thing you can do to get the word out there about this podcast so it gets to more people. Share it with a friend. Share this episode. Share another episode. Share the podcast. You can always go to SoundCloud, download the app, follow us there, or follow us on the Facebook page. That'll keep you connected. It's at at Heartwork Podcast on Facebook. Do whatever you can to spread the love of this podcast. It will help, and I am eternally grateful for anything you can do there. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. And so from my heart to yours, I'm sending you a whole bunch of love. And just, you know, do whatever you can to spread a little bit more love in the world because we all know it needs it. Have a good week. I'll see you later.